Hey, it's Rowan. In today's episode, number 81, I chat with Kim Gray, the Athlete Wellbeing Manager for Gymnastics Australia. Again, this episode is not specific to men's gymnastics, but relevant to all gym sports. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for your time. And I recommend also listening to episodes 78 through to 80. My previous guests have included Tyson Bull, where he spoke about how he has been managing training and emotions around the delay of the 2020 Olympic Games. Michelle de Hyden, who is the Gymnastics Australia's elite coach manager, and she shared what she has been doing to assist coaches during this time. In the last episode, I sat down with Sam Offord, the chair of Gymnastics Australia's Athlete Commission. Sam provided us with an insight into the role of the Athletes Commission and how they engage with athletes and pass the athlete view back to the administrators of our sport. Back to athlete wellbeing. You may not know much about this aspect of our sport, but it is not something that is new or come about in just the last few months. Athlete wellbeing is something that has been evolving throughout sport in general for many years, but in the last few years, has become a priority of Gymnastics Australia, Sport Australia, and the Australian Institute of Sport. I hope you enjoy this dive into athlete wellbeing with Gymnastics Australia's Kim Gray. Kim Gray, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I'm also in my living room. Um, Kim, we don't uh, know much about you. You don't come from uh, gymnastics. And so I thought we might start uh, our conversation off today with learning a little bit about yourself, your background in, in sport and in athlete wellbeing, and how you came into the role within Gymnastics Australia. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, Yes, it's certainly a little bit different where I've come from. I've come from professional rugby union um, and I started that about probably 14 years ago in the UK actually. Um, I was living over there for about 11 years and started off working with elite athletes as a team manager of a professional rugby union team in Scotland. So uh, from there I sort of did a couple of years there and then went to uh, player management for rugby union players as well. So that was um, that was kind of getting a bit of an aspect of you know team management uh, of the wellbeing. Wellbeing was a component of the role; it wasn't just the role. Um, but sort of understanding from a whole of whole of club perspective, then the player management was from a um, you know from the from the individual player perspective um, and the sort of issues that they they were faced with contracts being up and injuries and things like that. Uh, and from there, I then went to move back home to Melbourne, um, to Australia. And more recently, I was the player wellbeing and development manager at the Melbourne Rebels rugby team. So it's, it's all, it's as I said, the three roles, um, the last one obviously being specific, but the other two have all had elements of athlete wellbeing, but probably just from a different perspective, depending on the role that I was doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, as I say, it's been about 14 years that I was sort of on and off from the rugby world. And when I finished up at, at, at the Rebels, I was speaking to Steph Morehouse through our network um, with Athlete Wellbeing with the AIS and she was having a baby. So um, I had a good chat to Andrew Logan and I've come on board for six months um, beginning in January and just covering Steph's role for six months while she's on, on maternity leave. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly a different world, but it's been, it's, I mean, until obviously, or well, even 
during what's happening now, but um, it's just been a great challenge for me to learn something new and that's exactly, you know, that's what life's about is, you know, being able to transfer your skills that you've got from one area and apply them to another. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's, um, it's certainly, you know, the the. The differences obviously would be the ages and and probably the the sex of the of the athletes, the gender, because I've predominantly worked with adult men. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm re- enjoying the team and being part of the GA community as well. Um, so welcome, welcome to Gymnastics Australia, and it's very very interesting times, especially in the wellbeing space. I'm sure, and what it's a steep learning curve uh, it would be for everyone working in that that area. So before we get into athlete well-being, you better explain to us what athlete well-being is and what does it capture? Yeah, of course. Uh, yep. So athlete well-being is, I guess, to break it down a little bit, it's um, it's being a support for the athletes. You know, they're, they're managing their, they've got goals, which they've had probably since they were very young um, in the high performance space uh, to achieve. So as they sort of juggle their, their sport life and then they've got their study and work life and they've also got their personal and family life. So um, the, the three of those things at any time can, you know, can be a bit of a, bit of a struggle to manage um so we kind of help guide them through that process and provide support to them um I, I often see it and, and particularly with the rugby and now with the gymnastics of you know my role is in aid of give, allowing coaches or helping coaches to get the most well-rounded um athletes that they've got so they can perform well um when they need to so you know if, if there's any sort of little niggles going on in the background of you know, personal life or financial stresses and, and things like that. Some are in control, some are out of control. But, you know, our, our job sort of just to be there as a bit of an ear but also to help um, guide them to the resources that can alleviate any of those stresses and um, it, it's sort of complementing anything that the, the coaches and the, the high-performance staff are doing with their athletes and, and we look after the other Um and we sort of look at them as a bit as a person as well, which I know the coaches would too, but we're sort of trying to help them prepare as well for, you know, the transitions that they go through. And it's, and it's not all just about, you know, transitioning from sport into the, I'll call it the real world, but it's the transitions. Like right now is a transition, um, transitioning from juniors to seniors, um, transitioning from maybe an injury to, to going back into training, and it's just sort of to be a support there for them as well. Um, and and as I, I sort of alluded to just a second ago, the, the, the transition obviously out of the sport um, when, the, when the day comes, that, that is obviously quite a, quite a large piece. Uh, and, and it's just helping them sort of identify with, with the resources that the AIS help us with as well, what they want to do, make sure that they're, they've got a bit of balance going on in their lives as well. Um, but, and helping them identify those transferable skills that they've got as athletes anyway that are ingrained in them and how they can be applied to the to the working world or to what they might be looking at next, um, you know, and, and there's a whole host of things that come up with athlete wellbeing. Not one day is the same. So um, you sort of just roll with the punches um, as to, to where the need is and, um yeah, and I think, uh, which I'll allude to a little bit later in terms of the streams, but obviously mental health is a huge factor of that and that's probably a, a great big priority. Um, 
but yeah, we just we just sort of roll with the punches of how we can support our athletes and and empower them to to also manage their own lives. Okay, so athlete wellbeing is a broader picture of athlete support, and what does the athlete need to then produce the best results they can in training, and hopefully transfer that into competition? Yeah, and that's right, and that's and that's for them to, as I say, be able to you know alleviate um, or sort of pick apart, I guess, anything that might be going on outside of their their training environment um, in order for them to be able to perform at the best that they can. Um, you know, we've got we've got a huge network in terms of like study um, study relief and uh, university and TAFE opportunities, um, our mental health resources. Um, we've, as I say, we're not we're not there to sort of fix problems for them or tell them what to do. It's just to help them kind of unpack where they where they might want to go um, with what's happening with them at this point. You know, at, at that point in time. Um, right. Yeah, and, and understanding the high performance environment is a huge part of that, which I think all the athlete wellbeing and engagement uh, managers have a have a good grasp of that because you have to understand, you know, everyone's got a common goal for for you know Olympic gold, um, and it's the journey that you ta- you go on to get to that, and and things that just pop up along the way that you you just help them work through. Okay, so this specific position is one that is mandated by Sport Australia for national sporting organisations. What support does uh, Sport Australia and the AIS provide to assist in the delivery of this role? Yeah, a, a huge support. Um, they really support our our high-performance team. Um, we've got across the country there are 27 um, athlete wellbeing and engagement managers and the AIS, we sort of work with the athlete wellbeing and engagement team there to, you know, to be, to to utilise the resources and support that they provide to us to provide to the athletes. Um, and we and we kind of we we break that up into into five streams. And the large, like the, I'll just give you a bit of an overview, really, of what those are. Um, mental health support is is a huge one, as I mentioned earlier, and the AIS have. Uh, put together the Mental Health Referral Network, which is a network, I think it might be, of about 25 uh, clinical psychologists around the country. And all of our uh, categorised athletes, uh, alumni categorised athletes, uh, and high-performance coach and staff and family and friends can access those. Um, Since COVID began, usually it's just the categorised athletes and high-performance athletes sorry, categorised athletes, alumni categorised and high-performance coaches. But since COVID began, the AIS extended the services out to family and friends that might be affected, um, as well as high-performance staff as well within our NSOs, So, which is just phenomenal um, that we're able to offer that. So they, they also do education pieces as well and they've got a really great team there that are very open to sort of jumping on and helping us as an organisation as well. Um, we recently had uh, Gemma Cross. She's one of the psychologists at the AIS and she jumped on a call with the with the community coaches just to give a bit of an update about wellbeing and mental health at this time. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're very willing and open to to share, you know, their, their knowledge and resources that they can. So we're very grateful for that mental health um, support. Um, career and education is another really large part of what we do. Uh, so we've got uh, the 
like the mental health referral network, we also have a career practitioner referral network, which is, uh, I don't know how many there are actually, but they're qualified career practitioners who can probably dig a bit deeper with athletes who might not know what they want to do or, you know, might be at the beginning of their career mapping. Um, So we can, we can utilize the services of those guys as well. Um, And that ties into the elite athlete university network and TAFE network because, I mean, maybe you're aware, Rowan, but in terms of scheduling and competitions and, you know, exam dates and things like that, there's a lot of challenges for athletes Mm. traditionally to to be able to continue with their studies because of the the sort of workload they have with training and competitions. So each of the universities, and and I think there's a a TAFE network's quite new, so um, there's like an elite athlete person there that we have as a contact. So we can work with the athlete and the elite athlete coordinator to assist with extensions and exam changes and just different things like that that might crop up. So that's a really that's a really uh, big piece at the moment, particularly with a bit of downtime. Well, not downtime, but changing changing the time that the athletes have got at home. Mm-hmm. Um, the other another area, our third area, is community engagement, um, and that's an opportunity for our athletes to engage with their local communities, uh, grassroots sport, and national charities. And that's a that's one area that has probably had its has been turned on its head the most during COVID because a lot of the activities that were planned were, you know, face-to-face events and, you know, athletes getting out to communities and, you know, meeting people and doing all sorts of things. So the teams had to work really quickly um, and succinctly to turn that into online support. Um, And most recently we had that with our Anzac Day activation and we've got National Volunteers Week coming up as well. So um, that'll be a digital campaign to thank the volunteers of the uh, NSOs out there. Um, and there's also opportunities for athletes as well through the Community Custodians Program, which is um, a series of programs that the athletes have to apply for every year um, and they cover Lifeline, Share a Yarn and Black Dog. So there's always things going on in that community engagement space, um, you know, and for our athletes to be able to, you know, a bit of give back, um, but also some profiling as well to, you know, to raise their profile if they need for different things. So um, we have our personal development uh, stream as well and that one is has probably adapted alongside community engagement the most. Um, a lot of their face-to-face programs like financial wellness, um, personal branding, mindset, they've been delivered face-to-face and the guys in the team have worked mm-hmm. extremely hard to turn that around and they... We've got a series. Oh, we've got a whole host of programs going out online at the moment. So we've got six. I think we've got six um, GA athletes doing financial wellness and a handful doing personal branding. Um, and they also recently opened that up to our coaches as well, our high performance coaches. Uh, for some of those, right. uh, only in the last couple of days, yeah. Right. So that was um, one of the questions that was going to come up a little bit later is that uh, your role centres around athletes' well-being and engagement, but has this been extended to coaches or others in recent times? So seeing that you've already touched on athletes, just uh, explain uh, how your role may have changed in this period and the importance of the engagement with the coaches equally with as with the athletes. Yeah, completely. The, the coaches, you know... Uh, 
I just had the evolution of the role as well with myself working with the athletes predominantly at the beginning um, and my colleague Michelle de Hyden is sort of um, working with the, with the coaches. We very quickly, as we went, we, we sort of identified, you know, the coaches are the guys that are feeling, are feeling this um, just as much as the, as the athletes, if not more. And I think through conversations um, that I was having with the other athlete wellbeing and engagement managers with the AIS, that was that was all of our common feedback is the coaches really, you know, these are the guys that are that, that lives have been turned upside down as well and and they're probably feeling the pressure. So we we really want to be able to extend our services and our support out to them as well. Um, so we've been Michelle's been working really closely with the coaches um, and I've been sort of keeping tabs with her and vice versa. So the AIS have, yeah, they've just obviously, as I mentioned, extended the um, the athlete wellbeing, the, sorry, the mental health referral network to the coaches and support staff, um, program managers and technical directors and people like that that can access it as well. Um, career practitioner referral network, they can access that too. And the, as I say, more recently in the last sort of couple of days, They've pulled together a, um, well, not pulled together, but they've pulled together a, a program for high-performance co- high coaches for financial wellbeing, um, and we're, we've got a conversation next week with a, with a mindset coach to sort of tweak that his normal athlete um, program to accommodate for coaches. So we're so mindful that, you know, everyone's kind of all in together at the moment and, and, and those guys need the support just as much as the athletes because if they're, if they're sort of... Um, struggling to adjust or, you know, not struggling to adjust but being challenged by adjusting, their athletes are feeling it as well. So um, we're just trying to make sure that we can do what we can with with the resources that we've got. Um, and that kind of it kind of leads in as well to the role that I, that my remit covers is categorised athletes. But I'm as I'm learning gymnastics, there's obviously a whole cohort of, of athletes out there as part of the national squads um, that probably don't come under my remit. But we, we've off, off opened that right up to um, athletes of categorised athletes, national squad members, and invited um, squad members as well to, to jump on our calls and you know just be part of the of the the community that we're doing, um, the community that we're kind of trying to bring together digitally, I guess. So let's just, um, for the listeners, explain what categorised athletes, you've mentioned that a couple of times now, and those that don't work in the high-performance space or at the level that you're working at. We use a lot of acronyms, we use a lot of terminology that the general population probably don't hear that often. So what does categorised athlete mean and who does that capture? And then national squad uh, that it's been expanded to, who are the people that we're looking at? Great question. And as I'm meandering my way through the gymnastics and AIS world, I'm learning things as I go as well. Um, so with, in terms of, as far as I'm aware, with categorised athletes, these are athletes that are identified, I believe, by the AIS and Gymnastics Australia. Um, they, I don't know if there's a certain amount of spots that they might have, but they're, they're categorised from podium um, down to a mood, uh, podium, podium potential, podium ready, developing, emerging and international. Um, and I believe that that has that's aligned with the levels of service that they're able to um, access from the AIS. So I, I don't know exactly the full ins and outs, and I'll be honest with you, I really don't. Um, I just know that this role is, is largely a support of these categorised athletes. Um, you know, I think that 
maybe the medical treatment and, and things like that might be um, extended to, to people that are captured within that categorisation. Um, yeah, mm, so... so- Sorry. So, yeah, to to explain, I guess, um, how categorisation works, we in gymnastics have categorisation based around national squads. So you achieve certain benchmark results at competition or so forth. You may get selected to a national squad, and that's within gymnastics. How gymnastics and other national sporting organisations, NSOs, how they report their success and potential success at benchmark results such as Olympic Games and World Championships, they report to their to the Australian Institute of Sport who they believe is in the AIS categorization, so emerging podium potential podium and and so if I use a men's gymnast there, we would look at uh, Tyson Bull. I'm not sure where he sits in the categorization, but he would probably be podium potential. He's already qualified for the Olympic Games. He's hit some benchmarks. He's been in the finals of the World Championships, but he hasn't actually achieved a medal at the World Championships, so he's not podium ready. He's podium potential. Now, I may be slightly off on his categorization, but that's a, a general explanation as to how uh, it differs in terms of what we do in our sport with national squads and how gymnastics and other sporting organisations need to report to the AIS. Would you agree with that? I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) And then you'll learn a new thing every day. I'm sure I learned exactly what you said (laughs) at the beginning of my whirlwind adventure into gymnastics. Um, But, yes, that's, that's, that's largely what it is, probably put a lot better than I put it so um and pod, uh, Tyson's actually podium ready um that's what his categorization is um and it, it's just making sure you obviously you've got the resources to be able to deliver to the athletes that you've got um but I'm, I'm, we're finding you know that the gym community are all coming together at the moment anyway um there seems to be a lot of amazing things going on within gym sports themselves um to engage their athletes from the from the coaches and the program managers and everyone so um, yeah, everyone's kind of just adapting at the moment, really. Um, mm. I just want to touch on, sorry, our fifth stream that I just need to mention as well, which is conduct and professionalism. That's the fifth stream for the um, for the AWNE um, uh, program that we've got, which is about AWE being athlete wellbeing and engagement and engagement. Yep, that's what that's what <laughs> our 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 wider team is called: athlete wellbeing and engagement. Yep. So, um, Kim, you've mentioned engagement a couple of times throughout the conversation, um, and engagement is a two-way street. The athlete has to be uh, in a, ready to engage with yourself, for example, but you also have to have the opportunities for the athlete to engage with you. So um, how, how do you achieve engagement in, as part of your role? Yeah, good question, because... In this role traditionally and probably drawing on my experience from rugby and also speaking to the other um, AWE managers that, that I work alongside, we, we do a lot of knowledge sharing in terms of, you know, resources, different things that are coming up and maybe idea bouncing. Um, but with the – it takes a long time to get to know athletes and you can't push it, you can't, you can't, um, you can't force it, it has to be organic. So – 
in terms of the engagement, you sort of it's it's a bit of a time, a bit of a, what would you call it? Like a well, it just takes time. So it's probably providing things like touching base with them by text. Um, at the beginning, I, I, I'd gone to a few camps. So, you know, that, that's a, it's sort of being present, I guess, and just being um, being around so that they know that you're there and being approachable. Um, it's particularly at this time, like I say, we've got our athlete um, check-in calls once a week um, that we've been doing. So that's it's just sending an, an invitation out. And if people want to join on, they can. If they don't want to, it doesn't matter. Um, but it's more just being able to provide opportunities where people can can either include themselves in or, you know, myself texting them or dropping them a line or, um, you know, the, the coaches are really helpful in this space too. Um, they've been really um, very open and, and uh, receptive of the services that we have. So um, they, you know, every now and then will drop me a line and, just see how the how the engagement's going from their athletes, and you know, encouraging them, uh, encouraging them to utilize the services that we've got because they're here and we want them to use them. And there are a number of athletes, so you sort of want to make sure that um, you know it, it's it's hard to get to everyone, but uh, it's just making yourself really available um, and you know, sending out um, sending out emails. As I say, I think I alluded to earlier with our National Volunteers Week uh, that we've got coming up. You know, it's just just being a bit of a touch point, I guess, for the athletes to know that you're there and um, probably not having to reiterate constantly what what's available, but it's usually not until something happens that, you, you you know, that there might be a need for you that you can build that rapport, but it does take time. It takes a lot of time. Mm. And uh, since we've been locked out of our uh, places of training, uh, our safe places and yep. um, what we would – our normal routine has has been disrupted. Uh, what have you seen coming through as being the biggest concern for not just the athlete but the coaches as well with with who you've been dealing with? I think a a, a big thing, and it, I think things have changed a little bit from when it all first started as well, and t- till now, um, there's been a bit of an evolution. But I think staying motivated um, is probably a concern for the gymnasts at the moment and the coaches. Um, and, and being out of routine, um, what are we five weeks in at the moment or something like that? So the athletes and the coaches have probably got a bit of a routine going now. Um, and it's a case of staying fresh as well, rather than having that routine become mundane. Um, so it's probably just being able to stay motivated and resetting their goals. Um, they've got to re like recenter and refocus what their goal is. They've probably always known what their goals are. And obviously that's, it's still there. But you've just got to change the goalposts a little bit, um, and and that's what they have to do, and they have to adapt. And I think right now it's it's, it's probably very uncomfortable for a lot of people um, in general. So the athletes are having to adapt to be being comfortable with being uncomfortable, and I don't think they realise at the moment probably just the resilience that they're building right now with what they're having to adapt to is it's something that's going to put them in really good stead for the future as well. Um, so I think in terms of that's that's sort of what we've been speaking to them about, and there's a lot of resources out there as well from so many different sports at the moment too. So I think um, I, I know that they've all got calls with their coaches and their training part, you know, they've got training calls and things like that and the athlete calls. But I think if they're able to maybe not look too far ahead as well, just make sure that they're, they've got different things in the day um, and – you know, setting little goals for themselves that aren't sport related as well. You know, they've got to have 
find things that make them happy during the time too. So whether that's walking the dog or um, just doing what they can within the limitations that they've got. So um, when we talk uh, talk about, um, we've had a little bit of uh, in and out with our communication here, uh, Kim, just so you're aware, um, you've cut out a little bit on my oh. end in some places, but that's okay. We're still managing to get through, so that's, that's fine. Um, when we talk about change management, when the doors open back in the gym, it's not going to be a return to normal because... Uh, as we know, and talking with Sam Offord last week, that we can't expect to go back into the gym and hit full training straight away. We know that the athlete is at greatest risk on return to uh, training after injury or time or extended time off. And the other thing is uh, managing that expectation for the athletes and for the coaches that lost time is lost time they're not going to make up for it so h- how do we manage the expectations of the coaches and ju- and um and athletes to make sure that uh, they don't try and jump in t- too hard too soon and therefore um risk in a, in a, an additional extended break well, th- well that's exactly right and i think that's Again, with the other sports that I speak to, that's that's the common theme too because we know that everyone is chomping at the bit to get back in the gym and understandably um, within the high-performance team at GA we're working on a return, like a retraining or return to training, um, not sort of protocols or procedures or guidelines I guess. Um, so that's already, been, that's already been worked on so that we were able to support the coaches and the athletes to kind of I guess, lay out or map out what it might look like going back and what they need to be mindful of. Um, that's in the early stages at the moment. I haven't even sort of put my input in into that yet. Um, but I guess it's just, just I, th- I think more things will come out of it once we have more set dates as well. I think things might speed up once we know. Um, but it, it, they would just have to be just, ta- it's hard to say, but, making sure that their fitness and everything is up to speed now and doing what they can do now, um, but just being careful. And But it's like anyone re-entering, you know, the, the normal world again. We need to – we can't go too hard. We can't go too fast. We have to do everything within the guidelines of either the government or, as I say, with these return to, to training guidelines um, just to try and follow things like that so that we don't undo the good work that we've done so far. Mm. Now, your role is targeted towards a very specific group of athletes, and it is dealing with uh, Olympic gym sports, uh, Mm -hmm. athletes from Olympic gym sports. But there are certain things that you do uh, and resources that you access and um, communicate that are relevant for uh, all athletes, uh, regardless of it's gymnastics or other sports, but also uh, regardless of where they are in their athletic endeavour. Um, yep. So is there anything that you can recommend, be it a website, be it uh, general information, be it um, who they need to contact or who they, who they may think about contacting? If they are struggling, they're not sure what to do, uh, it has been extended time off, their motivation, as you said, may be wavering. Um, so general, general information for both athletes and coaches. Yeah, of course. We um, 
think it was on our community club call um, when we were preparing for that with Gemma Cross from the AIS. Uh, one thing that she had suggested and opened up to the to the coaching community um, then was the mental health referral network is it is it is catering to the categorised area and the people that I mentioned earlier, but they're very very open to in athletes calling them in general, um, even just to get a little bit of advice on where to go. Um, the usual resources of you know Lifeline and and the uh, Beyond Blue. Um, Black Dog Institute. There's so many resources that are that are really strong out there um, that, that the athletes or coaches can jump on in the first instance to have a look at. But they can also, as I say, certainly give them in the AIS Mental Health Referral Network a call just to maybe get a little bit of guidance. They they do an assessment anyway, um, and they might be able to guide them in the right direction of where to go. Um, likewise, I'm you know I'm available. I can. There's only a certain amount of things that I can do, but I can certainly guide someone in the right direction if, um, you know, if they needed some help. Uh, the the uh, available outside of obviously the mental health referral network too is if if someone just goes and visits their GP, the GP is the, the sort of facilitator to be able to pull together um, a mental health plan for them, and that'll open up some opportunities for them to access subsidised potentially free um, bulk build psychology sessions as well. So, um, yeah, as I say, the GP, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, Black Dog um, and the jumping on the AIS athlete wellbeing and engagement site um, will we'll kind of steer them in the right direction because, and that's the big thing we want people to be doing is speaking up and, you know, it doesn't matter who they talk to. They've just got to be able to, if they need help, is is call someone or jump on somewhere and be guided in the right direction to get the help that they need because it's it's certainly not easy at the moment um, and but provisions are out there. And Kim, you mentioned about um, making contact with yourself if if they felt uh, they needed to. What mm-hmm. is the best way to to achieve that? Yeah, probably by email would be better um, if they've got any queries about yeah where they can where they can go to. So my email is uh, k gray g r a y at gymnastics dot org dot uk. Um, and uh, dot yeah, au. I... Oh, sorry, That's a mixture of my hotmail and my uh, yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely yes. So dot org dot au. <laughs> yeah, so let, let's just repeat that. It's K Gray, so K G R A Y yep. at gymnastics.org.au. That's the one. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Kim, look, that just about wraps up our time uh, today. I really appreciate your time in um, in spending with me to talk through some of these things. We've, we've been trying to coordinate the time for the last couple of weeks. And I think in combination with the conversations I've had with Tyson, Michelle, and Sam, uh, as as we went into this uh, this um, unknown period, has been really beneficial. And I know the community from the number of downloads that I've had are really interested in this information. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation with yourself, Michelle, Sam, or others about getting back into the gym, doing mm-hmm. it safely, doing it in a way that we're not going to put our athletes at risk of. Um, an additional extended period of time and I think that's the conversation of where we need needs to turn towards is we know we're on the downhill run we still have to be patient but we also have to manage this phase of our return 
Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and, that, and that's just the, it's the big piece. So, uh, and I think with education and conversation as we go, that'll, that, that will, it, it will piece itself together so that people do have an understanding. And I think it's probably going to come from above as well in terms of, you know, this, this will be the same for everyone, um, sports across Australia. So it will, it, we're just, we're part of that. So um, it's just making sure we don't, as I say, undo our good work. Yes. All right. Once again, thank you for your time and I look forward to um, talking to you at some time in the future. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Rowan. This podcast is not an official production of Gymnastics Australia. It is an independent production by Rowan Kennedy. The comments and opinions of Rowan or his guests are their own and should in no way be interpreted as representing Gymnastics Australia unless otherwise stated.